So good morning, Eastside family. We want to let our, our children, ages, oh, where's my slide? I'm going to have to guess the age. There we go. Ages two through third grade make their way in that direction to junior worship. The rest of you that are staying here, take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, and as you're turning there, I want to remind you of a very important aspect of our worship assembly, and that is the offering that we bring to God every Sunday. We so appreciate your faithful worshiping God in this way. There are four ways we make it possible for you to worship God through your offering. You can mail a check to the church address. You can get an automatic draft through your bank. Easy to do. You can go online to our website. Homepage says give. Follow the easy directions. Or if you're here in person, you can quickly put your contribution in the box that's there in the middle of the table on the way out. And if you're not here in person, but you're here live streaming with us, uh, we are so honored and just it's such a blessing to have you with us today. Some people may be going about, somebody else is here for the first time, why in the world is a preacher wearing a t-shirt? My dad said, Eddie, what were you doing wearing a t-shirt? He watches our live stream. And I said, well, dad, these are t-shirts that we're, we're wearing to support Jordan and Sarah with the adoption of their little baby. And so uh, we are a village. We're going to talk about being a village today. And so Samuel is here for the first time today. I got through that. Oh, he's gone. He, he is somewhere. So let me take a diversion and gather myself. And we're going to let Ben open us up with a prayer before we enter into God's word. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day and just all that you do for us. Um, thank you for letting us all come together as a community and just open up our hearts for your word. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So I, I want to welcome Ben and thank Ben for helping me this morning. It was two Sundays ago. We were in Joshua chapter 1. We are talking about being fearless, being people that are, are, are led not by fear, fear but by faith and people that are filled with courage and and we talked about this passage where it says now he's talking God is talking to, to Joshua my servant Moses my servant is dead and he says to Joshua now therefore arise and I talked about we're all not going to be around forever and there's going to be a time when God's going to say now my servant Eddie is dead and now therefore who's going to arise and take this place and Ben said to his mom I might just could do that. So we'll bring him up here and we'll see what he's got today, all right? He's going to be reading, reading our passage for us three different places as we get to it. So we are continuing our study in the book of Joshua. It's entitled Fearless, and we're learning not to be a people led by fear, but we're to be a people who are led by faith. That's a primary theme in the book of Joshua. And so in the first half of chapter 1, we spent two Sundays really just acknowledging our fear and acknowledging the painful reality that too often we allow fear to paralyze us. We allow. It's not that fear does it to us. We allow it to happen. We allow fear to keep us from living out God's calling in our lives as individuals and as a church. And so last week, we, are, we, we saw as we were introducing in the past two weeks that what God is doing in this, in this story is that he's calling the Israelites to move from where they are to where he wants them to be. 
And specifically here, they're on the east side of the Jordan River and he's calling them to cross the Jordan River and that is into what we know of as the promised land. But it was filled with a lot of known and unknown monsters, you might say, that were causing them to be fearful. And so God tells them, first of all, do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. And so in chapter 1 of last week, in the first half, we also we found three essential components to being fearless. And so as we move now into the second half of chapter 1, there's one final, com- no, there's another, not the final, we're going to be seeing these all throughout Joshua. There's another component to being fearless in the second half. But in order for us to understand the second half of this story, I'm going to have to move into a school teacher mode and teach you or remind you of, some of you know this, some of you don't, a little bit of geography and a little bit of history as well. So much of the story of the Old Testament surrounds what we know of as the 12 tribes of Israel. And they play a, a, obviously a very dominant role here in the book of Joshua as we're going to see later on in this book that, that the big part is about the land and how they move into the land. It's going to be divided up among each tribe. And so as you see on the map, these are the 12 different tribes of Israel and they're all named after the sons of Jacob. They're named after also the sons of Israel. That was Jacob's name as well. But you're going to notice here as you look at this particular map that there's actually two sons of Israel that are mentioned, that are missing. Now if I had time, I'd play a game and ask. I was going to have you name them. But I, I'm in a hurry to get there. i got more notes than I have time for. But if you, if you look at this map, you notice, well, there's two of them that are missing. It's Levi and Joseph. Levi, first of all, is missing because Levi didn't get an allotment of land in the land of Canaan. Levi, the Levitical tribe, they were divided up all throughout the nation in various cities for two different reasons. And those reasons are really so important. Later on, we're going to unpack that as we get to that story here in Joshua. And then the second story. Second son of Israel that's missing here. Levi is missing. And you're also going to miss probably the most popular one that had the coat of many colors. That was Joseph. Where is Joseph in the story? Well, you read the end of Genesis. And you notice that Jacob is blessing his sons. And he brings Joseph aside and he says, listen, there's something special I'm doing with you. I'm going to take your two sons that are born to you in Egypt. Ephraim and Manasseh. We see those two tribes up there with their allotment of land. Those are your two sons, Joseph. They're going to be like my sons. And they're going to receive their own inheritance. And so Joseph is is there, not Manasseh. Joseph is not there. And as you see Ephraim and Manasseh, which is interesting, I want you to notice Manasseh is huge. Probably even larger allotment of land than Judah. And that's going to be important later on in the book of Joshua because we're going to find the tribe of Manasseh complaining because they don't have enough land. And they're discontent. You know, some things about people, it just have never changed. And so that's going to be a whole other lesson that we're going to look at. And then I also want you to notice, this is really important for us understanding today, the western border and the eastern border of Israel. To the far west, Israel's border was the Great Sea. 
or as you see here on, on the map, it, it is called the Mediterranean Sea. And then the eastern border, the official eastern border of Israel, it's that line you see from that red circle in the middle there. It's that line going down, that blue line. That's the Jordan River. So you've got the Mediterranean Sea, the border on the west. You've got the Jordan River, the border on the east and I mentioned that to you because as you look at that you should be asking the question well if that's the official border of the land of Israel why is it that we have two and a half tribes Manasseh split in half what are they doing on the eastern side of Jordan you got the Reubenites the Gadites and the tribe of Manasseh well why are they there what are they doing outside the boundaries of Israel. Well, you find the answer to that question in Numbers chapter 32. Not going to read that today. Actually, I gave that to you, I think, in your life groups to look at. Numbers chapter 32, here's the story of what they're doing over there on that side. You got the 12 tribes, they make their way out of Egypt, they're journeying back to the promised land, they, came up, they come up south, they come up around from the east side, they get to the Jordan River, they're with Moses, and the tri half tribe of Manasseh, just half of them, not all of them, half of them, the Gadites and the Reubenites said, hey, we like it here. I, th I think, you know what, we're just going to stay here Instead of crossing the Jordan and going into the, to the Canaan or the promised land. We, just, we think this is really nice. This is where we'd like to settle. Well, Moses got really uptight about that. Because Moses is thinking, oh, they, so they, they're afraid. They're not going to go across the Jordan River with us. And they're not willing to fight. They're just going to settle here. So they're, they're chickening out. And they're, they're taking the easy way out. And he says to them, if you do that, if you stay here, you're going to spread discouragement. To all the rest of the tribes who are crossing over. To which these two and a half tribes says, no, 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 no. It's not like that at all. We're going to let our, our, our women and our children, our livestock, we're going to leave them here on the east side of the Jordan. We're going to settle it here with them. But we're going to send all of our, the ESV says, men of valor, our able-bodied fighting men. I think they had about 40,000 total. They're going to cross the Jordan River. They're going to fight. They're going to stay there with you until all of the rest of the tribes have taken their land, possessed their land, and settled it in their land. And then we'll go back to the eastern side of the Jordan to where our families are. So Moses said, all right, if you'll do that, I'll let you guys settle there. So that was the agreement that was made many years earlier. And so that's the geographical and historical background to help set the stage for the story we're going to enter into today. Ben's going to begin now reading in chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. So Joshua ordered the, ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take, the, take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you for your own. So just stop. As I was reading, I had to stop at this point. Just to imagine how the Israelites must be feeling, how you would be feeling. Right? And so, so first of all, there had to be a lot of fear. In three days, get yourselves ready. We're crossing the Jordan River and we're going to face head on the enemy forces that are huge and fortified. In three days, imagine, we're going to be storming Normandy and the beaches of Normandy. 
There had to be fear and anxiety, nervousness. But on the other hand, there had to be a, a thrill and an excitement. They've been gone, it depends on how you calculate it, for over, they've been gone from their homeland for some 440 years. And for all these centuries, been longing with this gnawing, lonely longing for one day of returning. And there had been stories that had been told year after year of the homeland and what it was like. And so now, after years of, of waiting, Years of imagining, years of wondering, years of wandering. In three days, they're going to be stepping in to the promised land. Now, we kind of just experienced something like that. For years, literally years, we've been waiting and praying for little Samuel. And Jordan and Sarah got the phone call. He's going to be born. This is, this is it. It's real. It's happening. And so that little feeling and that great feeling that we have in that moment as a village, it's not just their feelings. This is what the Israelites, incredible fear and anxiety. They're getting ready to storm the beaches of the Jordan, you might say. But boy, they're finally home. But then Joshua must have been thinking at this point, he must have been wondering, well, I, I wonder if these two and a half tribes over here who, who said they're going to take this land on the eastern side, I wonder if they remember the promise they made because it was many years ago that they're going to send their fighting men across the Jordan River. I wonder if they remember that or if they're going to stay on this side of the Jordan. I wonder what they're going to do. And so Joshua says, I'll just ask them. We pick up the reading there. Verse 12. Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all of your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. And so Joshua reminds them of this agreement made years ago with Moses. And the awkward part of it, he says, and as we cross Jordan and go to face the enemy forces, you guys are going first. So now the question is, what are these two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan River going to do? Are they going to go over and, and fight? Are they going to go over with their fellow Israelites? Or are they going to say, you know what, I got my wives here, I got my children here, I got my livestock here. I'm going to settle in right here. I think we're just going to stay here. What are they going to do? And so you kind of might expect them to say, what's in it for us? 
what's in it for me? I mean, seriously, why should we go over there and risk our lives for them? Why should we go over there and do this for their land and for them when we have everything we want, everything we need right here? Why should we go first? All right, maybe if we go, we'll, we'll, go, we'll stay in the back and we'll, we'll secure the rear section of, of the troops. And, and we're just two and a half tribes. That leaves, if I'm calculating correctly, nine and a half tribes. You don't really need us. Do you? What can we do? And as we saw last week, God actually said to the Israelites, I'm going in. It's not like you guys go and I'm going to check things out. God will be with you wherever you go. And more than that, we saw last week, God will be fighting for you. What do you need us for? What's in it for us? You guys go ahead. We're comfortable right here where we are. How are they going to reply? Let's take a look at their reply now in verses 16 through 18. Well, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Did he do okay? Thank you, Ben. We're in. We're going over. Now, honestly, the hardest part for me about preaching is knowing what to leave out. I had two great stories to intro this lesson with. I had to pull them out. And then here, there is so much I had to take out because y'all don't want to be here for three hours or four hours. But there's a lesson here that we need to see and learn from the example. These are called the Transjordan tribes because they're on the other side of the Jordan River. We find here in the second half of chapter 1 another crucial component to being fearless. Last week we saw there's three components to being fearless. They all started with the P. God's presence, God's promise, and God's prescription. And here we see the final component. It also starts with the P to help you remember God's people. Fearless courage is fueled by the unity of God's people standing side by side. By a people that are led by a selflessness and a sacrificial spirit and not a people led by an attitude of what's in it for me. It's a people who understand we are all in this together. That Israel is not this loose association of tribes. But it is one nation. And we learn this. I think the t-shirts teach us as well. As so many of us bought these t-shirts to support the Gwens for the adoption of Samuel. That it's not just their story. That we are a village in this together. Side by side. And sure... For these other tribes, these nine and a half tribes, God's presence was going to be with them. 
Sure, they had the promise of victory as we saw last week. They had the prescription to give them courage to know what to do. And sure, God could have carried out this mission of conquering and taking the land without these two and a half tribes. But having the Transjordan tribes there with them, it was, it was going to make a difference in helping them to be fearless and have courage. They were needed. All are needed. I think this is an incredibly important lesson for us in our day and time. It seems to me that we live in a very what's in it for me world and mentality. Last week, Gary Stevenson, in, in um, announcing and introducing the class that he started today, he talked about how there's this incredible drop-off of people from faith and especially an incredible drop-off of people from, from church involvement. And actually a week before that, my life group was talking about the involvement of people in church. And we're, this is a group of parents. With, we got like 15, 20 kids in our group. And how to help kids really develop that community spirit. And why is there such a, uh, a resistance to that today? And one of the things that our group identified is because there exists a very selfish what's in it for me mentality that pulls people back from community appropriately being in community it's the what's in it mentality that is at the heart of complaining and criticizing and conflicts that we see among God's people in the church we see it as well in our nation it's the once in it for me mentality that causes people to move from this church to this church to some people to do that always looking for a church that better meets my needs. It's the what's in it mentality that keeps some people on the fringe of the church body uh, with, with sporadic involvement and not volunteering for ministries in the church. Basically an attitude that says, you guys have got this, I'll stay back. It's the what's in it for me mentality that's sadly at the root of so many divorces and marital problems that we see today. It's the what's in it, it's a, this, is, this what's in it for me mentality we saw raise this ugly head during COVID. So many turned inward and isolated themselves. I've got to take care of me. And certainly it's wise to be cautious with one's health. But far too many people have used COVID is an exit ramp to slip away quietly, to pull back, thinking it was unnoticed, to take care of themselves, and they've yet to return, they've yet to re-engage. As a matter of fact, some are gone for good, figuring they're good, they don't need me. I mean, I'm just one person. But the absence is noticed. Truth is, it's discouraging for the rest. God's work in this church family, it will continue on with you or without you. But please know, 
when you pull back, when you pull away, it's felt. It hurts. And it causes discouragement. You're needed. Just like the two and a half tribes were needed. So I was in my journal and my journal and looking through, and this was last year when I was in the book of Joshua. And I noticed in my journal entry there's a story that had just happened, a current contemporary story, that so much reminded me of this story that oftentimes in my journals I'll just write down something I've seen or experienced. So I, I want to share this story with you. There's a man who lives in Amarillo, Texas, and I think he's in his mid-60s, very, very, very young guy. (laughs) And he, he contacted our church through Ginger McBride because he was needing help with his family. His adult daughter lives here in Colorado Springs, and she is a single mom with two children, She had been diagnosed with cancer, but she found out that the treatment for her cancer here in Colorado Springs was just far too expensive, and she couldn't afford it. And secondly, she realized with all of those expenses, she would never be able to afford as a single mom trying to raise two kids the little apartment that she was living in, and so she was going to have to move back to be closer to family in Amarillo, Texas, but she didn't have, nor did her family have, the money to cover their expenses for moving. And so her father contacted us and a message was sent out on care mail and Facebook that help was needed on a Saturday morning to help this family. Saturday morning is my time. Right? Saturday morning is my time sleep in. Saturday morning is my time for family and making pancakes for my family. We don't even know these people. They don't even go to our church. As a matter of fact, this single mom and her children, they don't even go to church here in town anywhere. What's in it For me. So the father came with a U-Haul truck. And his daughter and her two children, they were already in Amarillo. And a very good number of members from our east side family showed up that morning. And they spent the next few hours loading and taking apart furniture and loading the U-Haul and cleaning the apartment. And after they were finished, they stood in this empty living room with his father and they held hands and they prayed for him they prayed for his daughter and her cancer for the two children for their family for those that came that day there was nothing in it for them But you could hear in the voice of this father and you could see on his, on his expressions that this selfless service they provided for somebody they'd never met before and will probably never see again made a huge difference 
and giving this man courage to face what is frightening for his daughter. And I wrote these words in my journal after I wrote that story and I had Joshua 1 in mind. It's one thing to be fearless and lay down your life in sacrificial service for yourself and for your immediate family, but it's another thing to be fearless for others. Don and Julie Vallelonga, members here of our family, are courageously standing before the frightening enemy of stage four pancreatic cancer. This past week, Don had a very extensive surgical procedure and it was supposed to last four to six hours. And so there in the waiting room sat his wife, Julie, not for four to six hours, but for eight hours. That was just the procedure before he was moved into ICU recovery. But seated by Julie's side during this time was a friend of hers from her east side family. And you might say, well, she didn't need this friend because her children were there. You might say she didn't need this friend because God is with you wherever you go. It's right there in Joshua chapter 1. She had the doctors and nurses taking care of this surgical procedure. What could this friend do to help with the surgery? And this friend has her plate full of life challenges to focus on. And this friend of hers had a lot she needed to do on that day. There was nothing in it for her to be there. But she was there. And her presence alone gave Julie courage and strength to get through a very difficult day. When Jesus sent the disciples out on their training mission to carry out the mission that we're called to, to make disciples of all nations, he didn't send them out as individuals, each one at a time. He sent them out in pairs because we need one another. That's what we see here in Joshua chapter 2. And I mentioned this last week and I'll close with this. It's really interesting that the name Joshua in the Hebrew is the parallel transliteration into Greek of the name Jesus. Yeshua in the Old Testament is Jesus in the New Testament. And so you've got to be looking for the story of Jesus as you look to the story of Joshua. And it is here. As Jesus considered coming from heaven to earth, he could have asked, it would have made sense to ask, why should I do that? What is in it for me? Why should I come and face such dangers and not risk my life, but give my life? I'm pretty good right here. But this is the gospel that Jesus Christ came, emptying himself in selfless sacrifice and gave his life for us. And he calls us to follow him with these words. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That was the call of Joshua to these two and a half Transjordan tribes.
a call they embraced. And that's the call of our Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, to us today. Will you embrace that call? Let's stand together as we close in prayer. And let's just go ahead and practice this, if we could. Let's not just have a formal song at the end and a formal closing prayer, but let's stand by one another's side. Let's break through our fear of people seeing us move around. There are people here that need you to come and stand by your side. Stand by their side. There are people here that you know that I just want to encourage you to go to them. If you're one of them and somebody's not coming to you, I want to encourage you to reach out to them. This is a chance for us to live out community and support. Because many of us are going through some very fearful, challenging things in our lives. But let's let one another know we don't have to go through it alone. Let's pray. Father, take this ancient story that is so incredibly relevant. And, and as you know, I left out so much. I ask the Holy Spirit that you would take this lesson now and these words that Ben read to us and let them penetrate our hearts and let them speak to us and help us to see how they speak to us as individuals in a personal and practical way. We come before you with this prayer in Jesus' name. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.